Welcome to The Unknown Demographic, the podcast that provides a genuine examination of individuals with developmental disabilities and the staff who serve them. here at Curtis Holmes. Uh, how long have you been here at Curtis Holmes? Mm, I started during the car fire, which I believe was May of 2018. So was that your first job in this field or? Nope. <clears throat> I started, uh, I started at the day program uh, called Bravo uh, a couple years prior. Bravo. And so what was Bravo like? What, what did you do there? Uh, so they do a few things there. So we have, uh, just a big, big, big room with probably about 30 or so clients, um, taught them basic job skills, sweeping, mopping, cleaning the windows. Uh, we had a crew that would go out and do. Who's them? Sorry. Sorry. Who's them? The clients. And who were, who were they? <clears throat> As far as like when you say client, who, who is that? Oh, the <clears throat> adults with developmental disabilities. And how did they get plugged into Bravo in the first place? Um, so my understanding is Bravo is a <clears throat> vendor of Far Northern Regional Center who they're funded by the state. Um, they get <clears throat> vendorized to provide services for these individuals. Um, as a way to you know get them out of the out of their homes, yeah. do some community integration, yeah. um, meet other people, yeah, kind of build relationships. So you were at Bravo for how long? I think it was twenty seventeen, I or twenty sixteen. I can't remember. Um, my <clears throat> my brother was working there, and he. He'd asked me to come down one day to just to hang out um, after I got off work. So I went down there, had no idea what I was really getting into. And uh, so hanging out and uh, I remember something happened that day. I, just, one of, I had a conversation with one of them and it was like, this is something that I want to do. <laughs> you had an interaction with a client with a client there. Yeah, at Bravo. Yeah, I had a I had an interaction. It's one of those things because, like, you know, you you come into this industry and you know you don't really know what to expect, um, and you have these you know preconceived notions about you know adults with developmental disabilities and the, right, you know the the negative aspects that come from it. So. Definitely. A that's a, bit. Would you say that that's the most common thing that people have is the quote unquote negative aspects? <clears throat> yeah, without a doubt. There's, it's always the negatives. Yeah. Never really any of the positive stuff. What were some of the things going through your mind when your brother first referred to you to Bravo and then explained what they did? Did you have any reservations walking into it? <clears throat> so he, he didn't really explain what it was he just because cameron had worked in the field before he was in the 
the residential part. He okay. Had, he had done that for a few years at a different company. And then. And Cameron's your brother? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, so he was working at Bravo. <clears throat> I had some personal stuff going on. Didn't, didn't like the job that I was at. So he had asked me to come, come by and check it out see if it was something I wanted to do. Honestly, didn't really explain anything about it. He's just like, you. As brothers often do. <laughs> well, it was more of like, it's, there's not really explaining it. Like you just have to see it for yourself. Yeah. As, and I think that's in a way that's one of the biggest issues for this industry. Like, like I said earlier, the negative connotations, like those are the only things that are getting out now is you only hear the bad stuff. Like, Oh, this happened in the news. You know, this happened. Like there's not really any positive exposure. Your capacity has changed over time. You started at the lowest level, I mm -hmm. assume. Yeah. And then you worked your way up. Yeah. So what are the walk us through where you started, where you are now and the positions you held in between? Oh man. So started at Bravo, like I said, uh, just normal line staff, day-to-day -day operations. Um, worked my way up to the supervisor. So being in charge of, you know, staff, yeah. um, making sure that they're, they're doing right by the individuals that we serve. Um, you know, working with them and not being, uh, rude or mistreating them in any way, right. um, things like that. Yeah. And then I, <clears throat> I came over here during the car fire just as like an on-call, well not on-call, uh, just a fill-in shift person. Um, While also working at Bravo? Yeah. Okay. And then I started getting more and more time in Curtis Homes and I eventually left the day program uh, to come over here. Um, just because it's, I, it was more impactful for me because the, the houses is more focused on like two to four clients, a lot more individual time to, to yeah. build a relationship and, um, it's more focused. And yeah. so normal DSP in the houses. And then I, became a facility manager at one of our licensed care houses. Um, and then I had stepped down to go work as a DSP at another house. Um, and then eventually after a long stretch, I became the weekend supervisor, which is the, the, the supervisor for all weekend operations. Okay. Um, so over all the programs, making sure that everything's running smoothly. Yeah. Um, and then, I was working in the office more regularly than I did doing, you know, administrative stuff. And I was offered the opportunity to become a director, you know, to run multiple programs. And so became a director. If you could go back to right when you started at Bravo and tell yourself, something paragraph paragraph or two what would you what would you say i <laughs> i would tell myself that the the individuals that we work with are not people that can be cured um 
and what I mean by that is, you know, it's, you can't come in and try and fix them. Like, you know, they're, they're regular people. We need to treat them like regular people. I mean, it, as weird as that sounds, um, you know, you're not, you, you don't just come in and say, oh, well, you, you know, you have a mild intellectual disability. We can fix that. It's, it's not. That is interesting because it, it kind of implies first off that it's possible to fix. And secondly, that it is something that ought to be fixed. Right. <clears throat> I, my negative connotation, one of the negative connotations that I had first coming in here was, you know, these, these people have problems and it's my job to help them fix the problem. But that's not... <laughs> Talk that's about not a premise the, set up to fail. <clears throat> right. And so, <laughs> because like I said, nobody had, I didn't have any knowledge of, you know, this industry. I just brand new trying to figure things out. And so, uh, quick question. Would you say that most people, including yourself, perhaps default to a sort of parent child relationship with individuals like this? I would say that's accurate. The other negative connotation is that they're, you know, they don't have the right mindset. Like they're not adults. You know, they have the outward appearance of an adult, but they're they're children. Mm -hmm. And so I think that most people default to that. In terms of viewing them that way? Yeah. Like not viewing them as an adult, which they are, but or kind of person. shrink it. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So you would say most people default to a sort of really a dehumanizing kind of mindset. And, and it's probably not intentional. It's more lack of exposure. <clears throat> Yeah, I I would agree with that. They, Even if someone doesn't use words to communicate, and let's say they don't have much ability to move around freely unaided, let's say they require a wheelchair or something like that, we still wouldn't describe that person as a child if they're 30, 40 years old, mm -hmm. you know? And But what's interesting and tell me if you agree with this is people mentally in their thought processes can go there either yeah. in their actions or in their words. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it, because it's, it's unknown to them, their mind is going to try and make sense of it. And that would be one of the things that makes sense is, Oh, well he, you know, he looks like a person, but he has, I'm assuming he has the mindset of a child, so I'll treat him like a child. That makes sense to me. Right. When in re you know reality, when you when you've been in this environment, you know, like you don't do that. <laughs> That's like the number one thing you don't do. Well, first off, they don't like when you treat them that way because <laughs> yeah. they they know yeah. they're not a child. Clearly, you don't. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think with more positive and healthier exposure, those things can be negated. Yeah. Like. The other thing um, that we, we hope this podcast achieves is being able to see our, see the people that we serve in a sense for the first time to ask questions that we wouldn't ask when we're working a shift or, mm -hmm. or maybe haven't thought to ask, you know, and to see their story because we're looking yeah. for their story. I think as far as like when you said seeing the person, I think is, is great because Cause I, you know, I've talked to people 
being in this industry, I've, you know, everyone asks me, oh, what do you, what do you do? Well, I work with adults with developmental disabilities. And uh, usually the number one thing I get is, uh, you know, the Down syndrome and, and, uh, and it's like, well, yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not the only thing. And you know how, uh, what am I trying to say? It's people know like key terms or buzzwords, you know? <clears throat> yeah. But it's also like the, and this is terrible to say, but for the lack of better words, like the typical down syndrome looking person the, uh -huh. when it's, when it's not just that, you know, there's, there's a wide range of not only the developmental disabilities, but not everyone looks like that. Right, right. You yeah, know what I mean? and each like, each individual diagnosis has its own universe beneath it. I mean, and the, and here's the yeah. other thing, and this is something that should give everyone pause: is the categories themselves of disability have changed over time. That's true. That should make us really slow down and think. Maybe it's about people in my categories first, because mm -hmm. categories are mutable and changeable in a way that people aren't. So, yeah, and. Uh, Another thing to realize too is the people that we serve isn't the limit of the developmental disabilities because yeah. the regional That's center has point. qualifiers yeah. that they provide services, which, you know, we're vendorized to, to provide services for those people, but there's many other categories right. above that. Yeah, there yeah. are. So we're just a small portion of what you know what's actually out there yeah and you would say um a company like curtis homes serves a minuscule fraction of the total population in our area we only see so much mm -hmm. but even then what we do see and the relationships we do have go deep right because it's people we're talking about it's not yeah. computer algorithms or anything it's people so let's say you can gather um Let's say you could gather together all the providers in this region, gather them all in the same room, kind of like the NCLI. <laughs> let's say, good. you know, let's good. say Kirk, Kirk, walk, Kirk and or Beth walk up to you, give you a microphone and say, you've got 10 seconds to address everyone in the in far northern region. What would you say? I mean, there's a lot of things, but if I had to pick in 10 seconds, um, what would it be? I think I would, yeah, if everyone was there, I had 10 seconds, I would touch on uh, the things that have happened over the years. You know, COVID was a big one. Everyone kind of shut themselves in. People are scared about, you know, losing clients or losing staff, people stealing clients or staff. Like, don't shut yourself in the the point of the NCLI institute was to get everyone together to work on these problems i think yeah. i think that was super beneficial i i feel like there should be more interagency interactions um yeah more interagency interactions would be would be nice to see instead yeah. of this like you know, we don't want to talk to them because we're mad at them or they're going to, you know, they've stolen our staff, whatever the, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want, 
it's all beneficial for for individuals the yeah. more people that they can interact with i think is awesome we should figure out group things to do with other agencies like i don't know bowling or the movies or we used to do the dances we haven't done those in you know anymore because of covid right but it's been a while i felt like those are great things to you know get everyone together and mingle develop relationships and friends and yeah outside contacts final thing if there was a uh, an individual who receives regional center services someone out there one of the individuals we serve and they're watching this video what's your message to them as you sign off what's my message to them just someone random receives regional center services my message to them would be i would say be yourself don't be scared of what the world thinks of you we're all people we all make mistakes we all struggle through difficult times be yourself don't hesitate to reach out for help that's what i would say